There's a couple things I'd like to say about that song. First of all, the man who wrote that song under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he and his family are in church today. Where are you, Adam Hill? Wave at me. All the way back in the back. Yay. Adam will remember this very well. I was preaching on that passage of scripture many years ago and turned to Adam and I said, sing a song about this scripture. And he just took off under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and he preached. I, I mean, he sang uh, that song. And afterward I said, wow, did you just make that up? And he said, man, the Holy Spirit was just flowing. And so we had to go back and listen to it, uh, the recording. And we've been singing it ever since. The second thing I want you to know about that particular song is it's scriptural, almost verbatim. The psalmist said, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not let me die. Open to me the gates where the righteous enter. And I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord and the godly enter there. I thank you for hearing my prayer and giving me victory. Wow, that's what the scripture says. So we just turned that into a song. And, and what I want to do this morning is I want to take just one verse of that and spend some time talking to you about, I will not die, but live. This is Psalm 118, verse 17. Psalm 118, verse 17 says, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. In fact, I think we should read that together. Would you join me? I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. Wow. Now I ask you, isn't that a bold statement? And that's about as bold as it gets, isn't it? I will not die, but I will live. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. Now, this may surprise you a little bit if you haven't been reading and studying your Bible through the years, but did you know in both Old and New Testaments that there were times when the biblical writers would speak to death as if it were a person? They identified death as a real enemy, and sometimes they would speak to death with the boldest of language. Uh, one passage in the Old Testament, this uh, comes from the book of Hosea. It says, oh, death, I will be your plague. Oh, death, I'm talking to you, death. I'm talking to you. Uh, and the one in the New Testament that we all love so much is found in, in 1 Corinthians. It says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, listen to me, I'm talking to you. Oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in this Psalm 118 passage, which is just absolutely fascinating, I've been using it, standing on it, and quoting it for many, many years. Where David, King David says, I will not die. Now, 
we're not for sure what was going on in David's life. We just don't know. But it appears that David was face to face with death. That death was pursuing him. That death was trying to take him out. But David does not surrender. David does not give in. Instead, David makes a declaration. And I think he's making it straight at death. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. David was saying to death, death, you can't have me. I belong to life. I have the life of the Lord Jesus Christ in me. And by the way, they were looking for the Savior toward the Savior, just like we look back to the Savior. Now, I want to tell you some things about death. And this is one of the strangest things I've ever said from the pulpit, but I really feel like God has put this on my heart for today for some people to hear this. But I want to tell you some things about death. Death is a liar. Yeah. Death is arrogant. Death is pushy. Death is rude. Uh, death is deceptive. And death is, listen up, seductive. Death is very seductive. Death will seduce us into a place of fear and intimidation and worry. Death will seduce us and draw us, if we allow it to happen, into a dark place in life. In fact, if we live long enough and we listen to the words of death, then death will seduce us into believing that death is the answer to all of our problems. I got to tell you, friends, that's one of the biggest lies ever told right there. You see, death will seduce you and me and anybody and everybody possible into believing that death is the answer. And if you think that's an overstatement, then you need to do some research because the Bible tells us that the second leading cause of death from ages 10 to 56 is suicide. Deceived. Seduced. Losing all. You see, what death wants to do is death wants to get into your head and get into your heart. Death wants to keep you in a dark place until that final day when your heart beats one last time and your soul is lost for all of eternity. That's what death wants. You came to hear an uplifting message, didn't you, this morning? But sometimes the only way you can get to an uplifting message is you have to be honest about the truth. And death wants you and death wants your children. That's what death wants. Death wants to destroy you, but not just on the day you die. Death wants to destroy you right now. But that's not what Jesus wants. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And he said, the enemy comes not but for to kill and steal and destroy. Jesus was saying, death wants to take you out, but I want to give you life. Life. That's what Jesus said. 
Maybe it's time for us to have a little talk with death. Maybe it's time for us to take a stand on the matter and and be so bold in faith that we look at this enemy called death and we say, no way. I'm not giving in. You can't have me. I belong to the Lord. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should look at death and say, you can't have me. Today or tomorrow or ever. You can't have me. And one of these days when this old body is worn out and has to be laid down, death, guess what? You can't even have me then. Because I put my faith in the risen one. And by the way, that is scriptural. Listen to Romans, the eighth chapter. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. I think the biggest surprise for every Christian in this house is one day we're going to step into death and we're going to have the greatest victory dance we've ever had in our lives. One of my... One of my favorite black preachers in America, he's in heaven right now, but we had the privilege of having him speak in our church. Dr. E.V. Hill said Jesus went into the grave, cleaned it out, and made it a good place to go. (laughs) Wow. I, I like that. You see, friends, the Bible clearly tells us that we get to choose between life and between death. Let me give you some scripture. First one is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Today, I have given you the choice between, say it, and death. Between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. By the way, friends, whether you know it or not, heaven and earth is witnessing the choices we make. Said, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. And now this is God. This is almighty God. This is the ruler of the universe. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. That's the reason you choose life. All you have to do is just back up a few verses. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30, same chapter. Just go back to verse 15. It says, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice. Isn't it amazing that the sovereign God of the universe would give us a choice? That's just amazing to me. I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Now, you may say that's Old Testament, and it is Old Testament, but God doesn't change, does he? He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, isn't he? And by the way, when you get to the New Testament, it's just amplified. All through the New Testament, Jesus kept saying, come to me, trust me, believe in me. If any man will, let him come after me. Over and over and over, the words of Jesus were telling us, that we need to choose. Choose between life and death. The power of choice is a gift from God. It's a wonderful gift from God. Almost every page in the Bible is about choice. Let me just give you some examples. 
Will you forgive or will you hold a grudge? Because the Bible clearly tells us that we have to forgive. If you will not forgive those who trespass against you, neither, neither will your heavenly father forgive you your trespasses. So I'm asking you, will you forgive or will you hold a grudge? Now, here it is. It's your choice. You get to choose and God will not take that choice from you. He puts that responsibility squarely in your lap. Will you forgive or will you hold a grudge? But just know this, whatever you choose, no one of those gives life. And the other one is pure poison. Oh, friends, one of them brings the blessings of God and one of them will keep you under a dark cloud the rest of your life. But it's your choice. I'm just, I just want to illustrate with a few, uh, illustrate this point with a, a few of these. Uh, how about this? Will you be a giver or will you be a taker? By the way, speaking of giving, uh, one of the ushers asked me to tell you that we have offering boxes at the exits. Really, he did. I didn't make that up. He said, be sure and tell them because it was so crowded they couldn't get up here. Not, but that's just a little part of giving. Will you be a giver or will you be a taker? That, that's your choice. You get to make that choice. But one brings life and the other one brings death. Some of the most amazing promises in God's word surround this idea of generosity and giving. I, I think it's Psalm chapter 40 or 41. You can look it up. But the Bible tells us that if we will share our bread with the poor, if we will help those in need, if we will be generous and we will give, I'm talking about people less fortunate. Yes, bring your tithes to church. But I'm talking about being a giver out there in the world. Do you know what God says? You can read it for yourself. God says in that chapter that if you'll do this, if you will share what you have with the less fortunate, if you will help and bless the poor, this is what God says. The Lord says, I will protect you. I will keep you from evil. I will rescue you from your enemy. And listen to this one. That's one of the greatest promises in the Bible. God says, and when you get sick, I will raise you up off of your sick bed. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to run out of here and find somebody that's poor <laughs> and give them some money. Bottom line is God is generous with those who are generous. That's the bottom line, but it's your choice. You get to choose. God won't take that choice from you. The whole Bible is about choices. It's amazing. Let me just give you one more. Will you worry? Or will you pray and trust God? Because the Bible is very explicit when it comes to this matter. The Bible says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. It's your choice. You get to choose, but one is life and one is death. If you choose to worry, you will stay in a place of heaviness and darkness for the rest of your life. But if you decide, if you make the choice to do what God's word says, 
and you start praying and you start trusting God and you realize that worry is not what God wants us to do and you start walking in faith. Ah, you can start having the time of your life. I'm serious about that. It's exciting. It's fruit basket turnover. It just sets you free. Well, I, I, I tell you, just making simple choices. There was a Southern Baptist missionary, a woman by the name of Bertha Smith. I love the story told about Bertha. When she was getting on up in age, they decided to have a birthday party for her. And they said, make a list of everybody you want to invite. And she wrote names down and they found a name on the list. And they said, Miss Bertha, this woman does not like you. Miss Bertha, this woman has said evil, mean things about you. Miss Bertha, these people have tried to hurt you. And you want their name down there? And you know what she said? She said, I distinctly remember forgetting all of that. Maybe there's some things you need to forget today. Maybe there's some things you need to forgive and forget. You see, you can worry. You can be a taker. You, you can hold a grudge. Or you can come to the point in your life where you hear the testimony of countless millions and the word of God has stood the test through the ages and you can make a choice. It's all about choosing. You, you can make a choice between life and death, good and evil, right and wrong, happiness and sadness. The list goes on. The power of choice. I, I shared this last week. It was a Leonard Ravenhill quote. Leonard Ravenhill said the modern day church wants to be raptured from responsibility. Isn't it time we put the responsibility back where it belongs in our laps? God is calling upon us to make decisions, to make choices. And by his grace and his mercy, he's there ready to bless. They're ready to step in. I, I want to share something with you that just blows my mind. And it has grace written all over it. This, this is almost too good to be true. One right choice made at the right time under the leadership of the Holy Spirit can wipe out a thousand wrong choices. Yeah. Yeah. Just one right choice under the leadership and the drawing of the Holy Spirit can wipe out years of bad Choices. Ah, choices. Man, this is, uh, this is exciting. By the way, at the risk of insulting you, I was praying the other day, listening to the Lord, and I felt like the Lord told me I was pastoring a congregation full of losers. That I was pastoring a congregation full of losers who became winners when they made one choice to put Jesus on the throne of their lives and to live for him and to live for his glory. 
Because I got to tell you, without Christ, we are losers. If a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul, what does it profit him? Oh, I'll wear that title, won't you? Loser. Met Jesus. Now I have the victory. You, you know what I love about the scripture I quoted a moment ago out of Psalm 118? It begins with, I will not die. And it ends with, I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me the victory. You see, friends, that's the transition. I, I love rags to riches stories, don't you? I love underdog stories. <clears throat> I love those stories where a person goes from being a loser to being a winner. And I love, I just love to tell stories. Those of you who have been under my ministry very long, you know this. But there was a man, and he was the money man for the Colombian mafia. And he was the ideal person for it too, because he was fluent in English and in Spanish. And what he would do is he would collect money for the Colombian mafia. I, I, I asked him, I said, is it Colombian mafia or Colombian cartel? He said, one and the same. And they would ship drugs into the United States and, and, and he would collect money mostly all over California, fly back to Colombia, deliver the money. That was what he did. And I want you to know he was living large, had a big, beautiful house, had a catamaran, had, had jet skis, had cars, had all the creature comforts you could want. He was living large. And one day, two ladies showed up at his house. They came to a gathering but not for the reason he thought. And they pulled him off to the side and they started telling him about Jesus. And he said that his eyes kind of watered up and he got teary-eyed. He said, touch me, touch me deeply what they were saying. But then they left and he said, and I didn't give it much thought after that. But about three weeks after that, they arrested him with five kilos of cocaine. Wow. Put him in jail. He said when they put him in that jail cell, all he could hear was the words of those two ladies that came to his house. <laughs> Man, it just, he, he kept hearing every word. And he said he walked over to the corner of a cell and got on his knees. He said, I don't even know how to do this. But God, if you're real, I'm asking you to hear me. And Jesus, if you can hear me and you are who they say you are, would you save me and get me out of this jail? Now, let me tell you something about bargaining with God. Sometimes it works. But here's the trick. God knows your heart. I can't tell you how many people have surrendered their lives to Christ and prayed to receive Christ and turned to Christ on a hospital bed and they get out and they never darken the doors of a church. But he got on his knees in the corner of a cell. He said, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. If God ever backs you into a corner where he's your only choice, thank him. Thank him. 
because that's grace and mercy. He said, oh, Lord, if you get me out of here, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. He said about an hour or so later, they came and got him. Said, you're free to go. Well, what do you, what do you mean I'm free to go? All charges have been dropped. Remember, this is California we're talking about now. But this was a long time ago, and the hand of God was in it. And he walked out of that jail cell. All charges dropped. And he said, Lord, I meant what I said. I will serve you for the rest of my life. Not too long after that, a man approached him that was a part of the mafia and offered him a million dollars to go back to work. And he said, no, I've trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior I'm not going back. I will serve the Lord. And today, he's a pastor in Colombia. We support him. And he's one of my dearest friends. His name is Sandor Angel, and he'll be watching this this afternoon. Angel, we love you. Thank you for choosing life. And thank you for glorifying God. By the way, he's preached for us before, and he's trying to get a Hungarian passport right now because his dad was Hungarian so that he can get back here. And when he does, you'll get to speak to him and hear him preach. I love Angel and his family. She was completely deceived. By the way, that's what the devil does. You know it? He's the master of deception. He deceives, he lies. She was completely deceived. Going the way of the world. Nothing to do with the Bible, having nothing to do with the church. She was out there on her own. And because the enemy leads us in paths of evil and ungodliness, she stepped into a homosexual relationship. And for four years, she lived in that relationship. And then the family put pressure on her to come to church. She didn't want to go to church, but they put pressure on her. By the way, if somebody put pressure on you to come to church today, tell me who, it, tell me who did that. Because I want to hug their neck. Because that means they care so much about you that they want to get you to a place where God can intervene and God can do something beautiful in your life. Well, they got her to church, said she sat back in this area right here, not in this church, it was another church down south, and said she, she didn't know the pastor, pastor didn't know her, didn't know anything about her. And said so right in the middle of his message, he just stops and points his finger in that direction toward her and said homosexuality is a sin. And then he stopped. And went on with his message. She didn't hear anything else. But she didn't need to hear anything else. God had confronted her. Oh friends. I love the fact. That God confronts us. That he deals with us. And, and, and you want God to deal with you. 
She said she walked out of church that day, and I won't go into all the details, but this is what she said. She said the battle was on, but she made the choice to walk out of that lifestyle and in to what God had for her and her life. And today, she's married. Today, she has a beautiful family. Today, she is respected, her and her husband, in this very church. And today, she gave me permission for me on her behalf to give God the glory. Stephanie, would you wave at everybody? Stephanie, thank you for choosing life. Th- thank, thank you for giving God the glory. I, I, I applaud you. I, I could go on and on. There's so many people in, in, in this congregation. Uh, Billy Roddenberry. <laughs> Billy Roddenberry, wave at everybody. Hold both hands up. Yeah. Listen. 20 years sober. 20 years sober. He and, he and Susan got married not long ago, standing right here in front of the church. That doesn't just happen. God puts before you life and death. God puts before you right and wrong. God says, this is what I'll do if you'll obey me and listen to me. And, and by the way, I don't think any of us have the power on our own to break some of these evil strongholds that the enemy brings into our lives. And most of it is because of our own fault. But I can tell you this, when you make the right choice, heaven notices. Heaven gets involved. Heaven steps in and starts helping. Billy, thank you for choosing life. Thank you, brother, for giving God the glory. I, I got to give you one more. Hand me my water, please, darling. I just wanted my wife to stand up here so you could see her. Where's Paul Beeman? Where are you, Paul? Woo, Paul. Man, I tell you, when I first met Paul and really uh, met him... I remember the first serious conversation I had with him was in the hospital. He had just been diagnosed. Now, I'd seen him before, but I'd never had a serious conversation with him. He had just been diagnosed with stage four throat cancer. And I remember seeing him show up at this church and his neck was swelled out there. Uh, Medically speaking, this is about as bad as it gets. And I watched Paul Beeman Sunday after Sunday, unashamedly pursuing God. And I'd give an invitation. Listen, what I loved about Paul was, is no matter how, how bad my sermon was, he'd always walk the aisle. <laughs> you know, I mean, if I fumbled the ball, he didn't care. He'd made a choice to go after God and he would come down front and he would lie down and get on his face and he did it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. 
He was in pursuit of God. He made a choice to go after God. How many years have you been cancer-free now? Six years cancer-free. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Paul Beeman, for choosing life. Thank you for not getting discouraged. And, and I, I, I just feel impressed of the Holy Spirit to tell you this. I think there are some people, and we get this wrong idea. I guess we just live in a microwave society, and, and, and we, we want everything to happen so quickly. And so we come to church one Sunday, walk down the aisle and say, Lord, I got this problem. I need you to help me with it. And that's it. They just walk out. And nothing happens, and they don't come back. Friends, let me tell you something. When you decide to make the right choices, you focus on the Lord and you go after the Lord and you keep going after the Lord and you do it day after day. You do it week after week. You do it month after month. You do it for years if it takes it. I don't really understand why God does it that way, but he said, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That's what the scripture says. Wow. So, I ask you, will you give up? Or will you get up? That choice is yours. Will you live or will you die? I'll tell you something, friends, we've all messed up. The person who tells you they've never messed up, never made a mistake, that person's lying and they need your prayers. We've all messed up, but we haven't all given up. And there's a huge difference. Winners don't give up. They get up and they start making right choices. And by the way, Winners not only get up, they keep getting up. It's a, it's a habit. It's a lifestyle. They keep getting up over and over and over and over again. And what happens is there's a decreasing frequency of sin and mistakes in their lives. But when it happens, they keep getting back up. Let me give you a scripture. I love this scripture. Mark it in your Bible. Proverbs 24, 16. The godly may trip seven times but they will get up again. Isn't that interesting? We call people godly and we have this image that they've got it all worked out. They got it all figured out. They've got all the answers. They've um, crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. But that's not what the Bible says. The godly may trip seven times. They keep falling, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. So somebody broke your heart. So you got some bad news from the doctor. So your marriage is falling apart. So life has thrown you some curveballs. You didn't see it coming. Things are not working out exactly like you expected them to work out. 
I'm asking you. Will you give up or will you get up? Will you live or will you die? Will you trust God? By the way, when we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, I'm ready to surrender. What a huge difference it makes. I, I can't close without reading this scripture to you. I just, I love this. These are the words of Jesus in Jerusalem, and he was speaking to a large crowd. Here it is, John 7, 37 through 38. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me, and anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare... Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Do you see that? You see, you don't have to. It's not a requirement. God won't make you. He will never take the power of choice away from you. But you may come if you are thirsty. And you choose to come to Jesus. Will you do what Angel did? Sandor Angel, will you do what Stephanie did? Will you do what Paul Beeman did? Now, by the way, I want to back up just a little bit. So Paul got healed. By the way, we, we emptied a couple of anointing bottles on him. We would anoint him and anoint him and anoint him and anoint him and pray for him. He just wouldn't quit. So you may be asking the question, what what if I trust God like Paul did? And what if I don't get healed? Well, friends, that's impossible. That's just impossible. See, if you trust God, if you go after God, if you make him your choice and you go after God with everything in your heart, that... That's not even in the realm of possibility. You will be healed. Absolutely, positively, 100%. You will be healed. God has two means of healing. One is he'll do with you what he did with Paul. The other is God will take you home to glory. You say, oh, that's not what I want. Really? Really? Because I got to tell you, that earthly healing is sweet, but it does not compare to stepping into glory through the resurrection power of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I can tell you, if you go after God, you cannot fail and you will be healed. And I got an idea. I don't think you can manipulate God. Pretty sure you can't. But when the psalmist said, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. I got all ideas that if you're sick and you're facing death, and I've been battling cancer myself for about 10 years now. If you're sick and you're facing death and you say, Lord, (laughs) Lord, I'm, I'm trusting you. Death, I'm not going with you. Lord, I'm trusting you. And if you bless me with another day, 
whether I'm sick or healed, I will give you the glory. I, I just got all ideas. God's going to say, what, what did you say? Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Well, what, what did you say? Lord, I'll give whatever you want me to give. What did you say? Listen, God's listening. And I got all ideas that that makes a huge difference. Congregation, I love you. I love all of you losers <laughs> that became winners because you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I wonder how many people in here were alcoholics at one time, but you're not anymore. I wonder how many in here were drug addicts, but you're not anymore. I wonder how many in here were living immoral lives, but you're not anymore. I wonder how many of you were living the way of the world, but you chose life rather than death. And you are rejoicing and having the time of your life right now. Oh, there's room for one more. And you can come. Would you bow with me in prayer? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Will you give up or will you get up? Will you live or will you die? Your choice. In fact, heaven and earth are the witnesses of your choice. This morning, I'm going to give you an invitation that has a lot of possibilities. One is you may need to come and receive Christ. And boy, we want to pray with you. We'll have pastors here at the front. No more procrastinating. No more putting it off. (laughs) Don't wait till you're in the corner of a jail cell. And I don't think God does that to everybody, but don't wait. It may be that you... uh, need to come and rededicate your life. You've had a genuine experience, but you've made some bad choices and you're ready to get it back on track. It uh, may be that you know Christ, but you need to join this church. I'm just, I'm calling on you today to make a choice today, to make a choice, to choose life rather than death, blessings rather than curses that you choose the way of the Lord rather than your way. Father, bless us now. I pray, sweet Holy Spirit, that you'll move upon this entire congregation. I pray that your drawing power will pull at us. I pray that you will give glimpses of hope. And Father, I pray that death will be driven back. I pray the powers of darkness and evil will be driven back from every heart and every mind. I pray, Father, that your words would ring in our hearts and draw us, that if anyone is thirsty, they may come. They may come. Bless us now, Lord. May decisions be made this morning that will make an eternal difference. In Jesus' name, amen.